Wrestling with Theology is a weekly Bible study that seeks to equip you to wrestle with the theologies that surround us in our everyday life. Through these studies, your faith in Christ will be strengthened through the Scriptures and the Lutheran Confessions. Join Pastor Minton for these next few minutes as he helps you get ready to wrestle with theology. episode of Wrestling with Theology. I am Pastor Doug Minton, here to help you dig deeper into the book of Exodus, here on episode number 81 of Wrestling with Theology. We're looking at chapter 24 of Exodus, where the covenant is confirmed between God and Israel. And it's done in a very important way that brings about a, true understand, a truer understanding of what we do when we come together for worship. So we're going to start right away in Exodus 24, verses 1 and 2. Then God said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Seventy-four are invited to come to, onto the mountain to worship. The same mountain that they had been told nobody can touch it. Not even the animals, unless, except they'd be struck dead. But now, God in his mercy is saying, okay, Moses, you, and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seven of the elders of Israel, you guys can come up, and, but you can worship me from afar. Only Moses shall come near to the Lord. This is a great foreshadowing of what would happen in Gethsemane. And we'll see this in a little bit more detail later on when they do actually go up the mountain. But the idea of you have the 74, the disciples there, and then Moses as the figure of Christ going on a little further by himself into the presence of God. As Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane where he left the disciples behind to go off to pray. Now we look at verses 3 through 8. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So Moses goes and he speaks the words to the people. Then he writes them down in the book of the covenant. And then he comes back the next day and rereads the covenant again in the midst of the sacrifices with 
half the blood thrown against the altar, half the blood in bowls, waiting to be then sprinkled out onto the people. And I say sprinkled, and the ESV says through, but you have the blood there of the covenant, which leads back to the institution of the Lord's Supper, where Jesus takes the cup after supper and says, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This is the new covenant in my blood. So we have also in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken. This is Mount Sinai. This is Mount Sinai in Exodus. This is what the people are at the bottom of the mountain looking at right now. And the author of Hebrews says, you don't come to this. This is not where you are. Verse 20 in Hebrews chapter 12. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels and festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Here we have, you're not at the bottom of Sinai. You are actually in the presence of God himself. No restrictions, no threat of being stoned to death because you touched the mountain. You are there because you are in Christ, covered by the blood of the covenant. Because covenants require blood. Hebrews talks about that again in chapter 9, beginning in verse 17. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. You had Moses sprinkling the blood on the people. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tent and the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You cannot have the forgiveness of sins if there is not the shedding of blood. So the Israelites in the Old Testament had the sacrifices that pointed towards the shedding of Jesus' blood on the cross. That one perfect final offering that would take away all the sins of the world. And there is no forgiveness of sins anywhere in the Bible. You can go from Genesis to Revelation. There is no time where sins are forgiven without blood being shed. Go to the first sin in the Garden of Eden. Animals' blood was shed to give them garments to cover their nakedness. Revelation, you have the forgiveness of sins of all the people, the innumerable throng up in heaven all covered in the blood of the Lamb. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness.
that's for the 74 on the mountain, that's for the hundreds of thousands and millions at the foot of the mountain, that's for you and me today. There is no forgiveness for you unless you were under the shed blood of Jesus. Now we move on into verses 9 through 18. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Seventy-four go up on the mountain, and they eat and drink in God's presence. Eating and drinking. When you have those two together, it is very hard to not have a connection to the Lord's Supper, especially when you have them in the presence of God. They don't see God, so God doesn't strike them dead. They just see his feet and his footstool. And it's interesting how in Exodus it talks about him walking on a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky. In Revelation it talks about the streets being made of gold. Not as translucent as sapphire, but has its own connotation there. But this is the idea that God has put throughout the scriptures that his throne is above the heavens, that he is seated over all of creation, and he can look down and see each and every one of us. So he calls Moses up. Moses and Joshua both go up, as Joshua is one of the 70 elders. Just like in Gethsemane, Jesus left the majority of the disciples in one spot, Peter, James, and John came off with them a little bit, and then Moses, or then Jesus went on a little further by himself. So now you have the 72. Then you have Moses and Joshua going off a little bit by themselves, and then Moses going on further a week later. And he is there for 40 days and 40 nights. Why? To receive the tablets from God that were written by God himself. And God descended on the mountain, a devouring fire, thunder, lightning, all the scariness that Hebrew says, we're not there. We are not there. We are better than there. Because we are in the presence of God himself. We don't get to just see his feet. We get to see all of him as he gives us that promise. But then again, it's still not in this life because 
we can't bear to see God and live. So then Moses spends 40 days and 40 nights up on the mountain, receiving the covenant from God, receiving not only what had been given in chapters 19 to 23, but also what would be given from 25 to 30 with the instructions for the tabernacle, what would also be given in Leviticus as to all the various laws that go on with being the holy people of God. And so now we get into chapter 25 and the beginning of the double talk in the book of Exodus. Not that God is saying one thing in one place and the opposite thing in another place, but that it's said here and then it's said again. And then sometimes it's even said again a third time because God wants us to understand this, especially as it comes to the building of the tabernacle, the place where he is going to allow his presence to dwell among his people. So we have verses 1 through 9 of chapter 25, which is paralleled in the bulk of chapter 35, and then again summarized in chapter 38. So verses 1 through 9 of chapter 25, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel, that they take from me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for the setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. So then we skip over into verse or chapter 35. This is to be a free will offering. This is to be as the heart moves each person to give what they have. And of course the question is, well, how did they have all this? Well, they plundered the Egyptians before they left. So they have all of this gold and silver and bronze and all of these fine things because the Egyptians gave them to them and said, please, just get out. So then in verses 4 through 29 of chapter 35, again, it talks about what is to be required and what it's being there for. I won't read into all of that because it's just a repeat of what was given in the few verses in chapter 25, but I do want to go to chapter 38, verse 21 through 31. This is the summary of what was contributed. So we had tell the people to contribute in chapter 25, chapter 35, they contribute, chapter 38, here's what was contributed and all the totals. So verse 21. These are the records of the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the testimony, as they were recorded at the commandment of Moses, the responsibility of the Levites under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made all that the Lord commanded Moses. And with him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, an engraver and designer and embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. 
all the gold that was used for the work and all the construction of the sanctuary, the gold from the offering was 29 talents and 730 shekels by the shekel of the sanctuary. The silver from those of the congregation who were recorded was 100 talents and 1775 shekels by the shekel of the sanctuary. A bika ahead, which is half a shekel by the shekel of the sanctuary, for everyone who was listed in the records from 20 years old and upward for 603,550 men. The 100 talents of silver were for casting the bases of the sanctuary and the bases of the veil, 100 bases for the 100 talents, a talent of base. And of the 1775 shekels, he made the hooks for the pillars and overlaid their capitals and made fillets for them. The bronze that was offered was 70 talents and 2,400 shekels. With it, he made the basis for the entrance of the tent of meeting, the bronze altar and the bronze grating for it, and all the utensils on the altar, the bases around the court and the bases of the gate of the court, all the pegs of the tabernacle and all the pegs around the court. Now, a lot of numbers here. Let's take a moment to put these into a bit of perspective. So to put this in perspective for our understanding to just see just what an immaculate place the tabernacle was, because oftentimes we just think, okay, it's a tent in the middle of the wilderness. A talent is roughly 75 pounds. A shekel is two-fifths of an ounce. So with the 29 talents and 730 shekels of gold, you have 2,193 pounds and 4 ounces of gold. As I'm recording this, the price of an ounce of gold is $1,774.60, which means the gold contributed to the tabernacle would roughly value $62,274,263.20. We move to the silver. 100 talents and 1,775 shekels would be 7,544 pounds and 6 ounces. Current price as of this recording, $18.05 an ounce for silver, which would make the silver contribution $2,178,815.50. Bronze with the 70 talents and the 2,400 shekels would be 5,310 pounds. Current price for bronze is $1.35 a pound, which would make the bronze offering worth $7,168.50. A total just of these three metals, total value of $64,460,247.20. Can you imagine doing a building fund for that? No. But this was the free will offering of the people of Israel in the wilderness from what they had plundered from the Egyptians. This is God's mercy and grace in action for his people. Even in the middle of the wilderness, you've got a free will contribution. And this doesn't even count for the gold that was used to then make the golden calf a little later. $64 million in an offering. And that's not counting the linen, the yarn, the ram skins, the goat skins, and all the rest of the stuff that was used in the curtains and everything. This is just the precious metals being offered for God's use. An amazing thing. And we think of, okay, this is just a tent. It's not just a tent. This is where God 
has deigned to dwell among his people. This is where he is allowing his glory to be among his people and be seen by his people. He doesn't want some ordinary little tent. He wants the best, which is what he has said from the very beginning. We go back to Cain and Abel. Cain's offering was most likely not accepted because he just gave the leftovers, whereas Abel gave of the firstlings and the fat of his flock. Abel's offering was accepted. Cain's was not. Why? Motivation and what was actually given. For the tabernacle, it's not just, well, we're just going to throw something together. This was very careful consideration, very heartfelt movement of the Spirit through the people so that they would give in excess of $64 million in order to construct God a place that was suitable enough for Him, but not even close to being worthy of him. And that's all we have time for this time. Next month we'll get into what the rest of the tabernacle ensues with in the creation thereof and what this $64 million plus dollars of material is used for. And again, we'll go between the different places where it's being talked about by God to Moses and then how the people put it together, and then if there's more summary on that, we'll get to that as well. So until next time, this is Pastor Doug Mintz, wishing you God's richest blessings, which if this is just a free will offering that the Israelites give, are, his blessings are really, really rich, and they are yours in Christ, and they are yours to use as you wrestle with theology this week. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments about what you have heard on Wrestling With Theology, send an email to wrestlingwiththeology at gmail.com. If you have enjoyed this podcast, make sure you have subscribed so it will show up automatically on your podcast app. Please also share the podcast so that more may be equipped to wrestle with theology.